Last week, President Obama visited Chicago to declare the Pullman Historic District a national monument. Located 12 miles south of Chicago's downtown loop, the community was built in the 1880s for workers of the Pullman Palace Car Company and quickly became a model for company towns. I'm Roberta Ruers with the American Planning Association. Joining us today is Pete Pointner, FAICP, an independent planning consultant and former board member of the Pullman Foundation. Pete was part of our celebration in 2011 when the American Planning Association designated Pullman as a great neighborhood as part of its Great Places in America program. Hi, Pete. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Robert. Great to join you and talk about my favorite community. Can you tell us, obviously you said favorite community, a little bit more about your feelings on, you know, Pullman finally achieving a national monument designation. This has been in the works for quite some time, right? Yes, it has. And my feelings are one of uh, satisfaction and gratitude. Uh, Satisfaction that it is being properly recognized and it will be an opportunity for people throughout the world, as in the past, greater numbers to learn the important lessons that this community has to teach. And secondly, uh, gratitude that something that literally tens of thousands of volunteer man hours have helped to produce, which is, again, another level of recognition of the importance of this historic neighborhood. So it's it's gratitude, and it's a a, a milestone, uh, and it's one more step in a long-term and never-ending process of continuing to restore, interpret, and make as a great neighborhood, Pullman. Well, we know Pullman was innovative in terms of worker housing during the 1880s, uh, cross-ventilation, indoor plumbing, but what makes it stand out from an, an urban planning perspective that, as planners, we can get excited about? Well, one of the points that is documented in the National Register and in the National Landmark documentation is the fact that it was the very first complete industrial town planned and designed from scratch. So you have workers housing, you have religious communities, you have, you know, the Hershey, Pennsylvania workers housing, uh, you have Kohler, you have uh, the religious communities and so on. But this was the first industrial town that was complete And by complete, I mean it had uh, a variety of housing, it had shopping, it had a school for over 800 pupils, it had a high school in addition to that, and a hospital, a church, a library, uh, doctor services, retail and other services. Uh, It was, in fact, a complete town. Now, in terms of its uh, planning benefits. Uh, I've written several papers uh, on this uh, that are available on my blog site, but I'd like to just go through a few of the characteristics of Pullman that relate to today's smart growth policies. First of all, it was a compact city. Even though these are basically two-story brick row houses, the density of Pullman is is about two-thirds of what the overall density of the city of Chicago is. And this is as of 
the 1970s when the Preservation Committee did a lot of their documentation. Secondly, it had this balance and mixture of uses that I've talked about, and it had a diversity of housing. So you could be a single worker, you could be a young family without children, or you could be a family with four or five children, and there was a size of brick row house that was suitable for your size. And of course, all the major living rooms had access to exterior sunlight and cross ventilation and so on. And another aspect is they were walking distance proximity to daily needs, and that included employment. Uh, there were jobs in the Pullman shops, and there were essentially two residential sections of the community. Uh, one on the north of the shops and one south of the shops. And all of this is on the south side of Chicago, sort of centered on 111th Street, with the shops north of that and the southern portion of the residential to the south of that to 115th. And so all of the workers could walk to work, they could walk to schools, the children could, they could walk to parks and open space. And in addition, another smart growth principle there was public transportation on the Illinois Central Railroad into downtown. In subsequent years, there was also good bus service that linked up to the Dan Ryan Rapid Transit. These were some of the characteristics that I believe helped Pullman survive the Depression, the World War II years, and so on. Another smart growth principle is there was excellence and continuity of architectural design. And this applied not only to the residential units, but to the commercial, industrial, and public buildings, such as the market hall and the church and so on. The next thing is there was a comprehensive landscape design. Uh, the whole green movement and sustainability uh, is based upon principles reflected in the comprehensive landscape design of the rights of way and public spaces in the original town of Pullman. There was also a variety of recreational and facilities. This included athletic fields, parks, a library, and a stable where a working class family could rent a horse and carriage for a few pennies and travel to the surrounding green belt and open space, part of the 4,000 acres that Pullman had purchased to keep his town surrounded in green. They had also pioneered, and this is in 1880 when they began construction, they separated sanitary sewers from storm sewers, and they had a potable water system with the water being drawn from cribs way offshore. And it took the city of Chicago until a great epidemic after the turn of the century to realize that the water along the shoreline was no longer suitable for drinking, and they installed cribs out in Lake Michigan to serve Chicago. Another pioneering concept was the application of sewage on about 300 acres of open space owned by the company that was used for truck farms. So it fertilized the fields and then as the runoff filtered through the ground into a tile system, essentially clean water was returned back into the surface water course. And 
the, the fresh produce was sold not only in Pullman at the market hall, but was sold in communities as far away as New Orleans in the south and Boston in the northeast. So the whole green uh, movement, the locavore, the uh, urban farming, all of these had precedence in Pullman. And lastly, uh, the historic and aesthetic character of the area uh, is a catalyst for attracting good, uh, good citizens and people interested in community values and not just in property values. So those are some of the planning lessons that are still evident today, and they can be uh, uh, they can be uh, presented to visitors who will come to the National Monument. In addition to the incredible technology that was developed by Pullman to create the town, all of the buildings were actually built from brick that was mined or that was made from clay mined on the site. And as they dug the clay up to make the bricks, and then the employees of the company were building the buildings according to the plans of the architect and landscape architect, they did it in a thoughtful way that created an island in the adjacent lake. And that island then had a grandstand, and the island served as a center for track and field events on the dry side and for water sports and races on the canal that surrounded the island. So there are just all kinds of innovative thoughts that we are trying to implement in creating sustainable neighborhoods and sustainable cities today. A true role model back in the 1880s, as you said. Now, Pullman, there was a risk in the 1960s that Pullman was going to be demolished. And you mentioned earlier that it was the hard work of tens of thousands of hours of volunteers. Can you talk a little bit about how that preservation movement got started so we end up in 2015 with the President of the United States declaring it as a national monument? Well, in 1967, I was teaching architecture and planning at Illinois Tech there in Chicago. And my wife and I had two children and a third one on the way, and we wanted to find affordable housing because teachers in the 60s did not get paid very much, even working part-time as an architect on the side. And I had always heard about Pullman, but never been there. So I took a group of students down to do some sketching and learn about the history. I fell in love with the place immediately, and we bought a house there. And within a few weeks, another very close friend of mine who was a student at IIT and a fraternity brother, Mike Shemansky, he and his wife rented the place next to the townhome that we had purchased. Mike has been, he and his wife and family have been consistent in the preservation movement from 1967 to present. And he has been the president of the official preservation group, the Historic Preserva- Historic Pullman Foundation, for most of the time in that interim. Anyhow, the two of us moved into the community because we're architect planners. We love the history and all of the things I've talked about. And we found out that in the 1964, there was a Chicago architect or an engineering firm had done a study for the city determining the best use long-term for the Pullman area. 
and they looked at the statistics from the 1960 census, and they saw that it had outdated plumbing, had a relatively low income, had a low education level, low property values, and ancient buildings in at least at the time, uh, it seemed like something built in the 1880s was ancient. And therefore, they recommended, and, and again, time had taken a toll. There were places that needed a lot of work and maintenance. And so the city decided that they would convert this into a contemporary industrial park. And they still had some money left over from the urban renewal programs of the 1950s and early 60s. So when Mike and I moved in in 1967, that uh, sword was still hanging over the head of the community. And we found out that there was one longtime resident who had always promoted Pullman as a historic area. It had no official status and no credentials at all other than a master's thesis done by a student at the University of Wisconsin, which was very favorable to Pullman. So he was pulling together articles from books and magazines, everything he could to support this. But he didn't have a lot of experience in terms of dealing with government agencies. The second key player was Mario Avignon. He was president of the civic organization. And that organization was, in fact, uh, a restart of a civil defense group formed during the Second World War. And the civic organization was restarted specifically to get out from underneath this uh, threat of demolition from the city and to relate neighborhood preservation to historic preservation. And so Mario appointed a committee called the Beeman Committee, named after the architect, to be the first preservation committee. I had the honor of serving as chairman of that from 1967 through 1972 when I moved into a home in Wheaton, Illinois, I had designed. Uh, but we owned property, my wife and I, down there until a few years ago. Anyhow, when the Beeman Committee got started, it was extremely diverse. We had a steward and the Teamsters. We had a watch repairman. We had a commercial artist. We had two architect planners. We had a grandmother. We had a mother of five who ran a local restaurant. Um, we had a um, uh, we, we had ten really committed people who represented a cross section of the community, and we all had one thing in mind. We wanted to link historic preservation and neighborhood revitalization. And I wrote a paper that was presented at the National Planning Conference in APA's Planning Conference in Boston, 1972. And, and I've, I've posted three other papers on my blog site that provide a lot of details of the, what the Beeman Committee did. But essentially what we did is that we worked first of all with the city and we found one of the city planners, the chief planner, Eric Yondorf, who was a great APA member and just a super planner. And he understood what we were about. And so in 1969, he was responsible for producing revised plans for our area. And he incorporated a text that the Beeman Committee had put together and our photographs and designated this as a historic area, whether it had other credentials or not. 
And at the same time, the Beeman Committee got Pullman placed on the National Register of Historic Places. And then we began working on national landmark status. The next step, and all this is in that first five years, the next step was to get recognition from the state. And we worked with Ted Meyer, who was our representative, and who was very sympathetic to Pullman, and with the the state agencies, and we got Pullman named a state historic landmark district, and that was, at the time, the only other one that came on to the state designation at the same time was Galena, Illinois. Then the third step was towards the end of my tenure down there. We went to the city and said, we would like to have you make us a city landmark, which has police powers and a lot of guidelines and things. But all we're asking you to do is to acknowledge what residents have already accepted and lived for the last two or three years. During that period, we were able to get the length of time mortgages could be offered increased. We put out literally hundreds of pages of literature, including guidelines for remodeling units. And we had a 30-minute audio-visual show with a tape recorder and slides narrated by a Pullman team that was shown to the local schools so the kids would understand that they had a neighborhood that was important. Um, We had meetings with virtually any civic group that would invite us in. Uh, The Calumet Area Industrial the Kiwanis, the Elks, the Rotary Clubs, and so on. So the idea was we would focus on getting the residents to maintain and remodel their historic residences in keeping with the authentic architecture, and at the same time we would reach beyond the community to get resources, political and financial uh, resources, to protect and eventually restore the major public buildings. So the Beeman Committee laid the groundwork. A couple of the things that they did were critical to the long-term effort. First of all, we needed an archive, and we applied to and received a $7,500 grant from the Illinois Arts Council to put together an archive. And George Pullman's granddaughter, Florence Loudon Miller, who lived in Hyde Park, was very instrumental in helping us to have access to the Pullman Company files. So we saw their 4 by 5 glass plates. We saw documents. We, ha- we made slides out of all of the pictures they had to trace the company back to the 1880s and its industrial production. And again, that's another story that will be told through the monument uh, process, and that is the role of Pullman in high-tech, advanced industrialization and prefabrication of buildings and components. So uh, there, there were a whole series of actions that the Beeman Committee took, and, and, and their major focus was in the community. Uh, Pullman Civic Organization had about 600 members at that time, and when we put on a slideshow, we'd get anywhere from two to 600 people, either in the church or in one of the local assembly halls, to talk about historic Pullman. And to their credit, a lot of the people had tried to show the city that they, in fact, cared about their dwellings. 
and so they had made, quote, improvements without understanding the relationship to the architecture. So, for instance, they would take out two punched windows in the original brick wall and put in a picture window, or they put new stone veneer over a part of the face of the building, or they put a stainless steel screen door on the front of what were the old wooden doors. And so the people learned what was right. And uh, I'll never forget uh, one of the three founders of the historic Pullman Foundation, which came into being in 1974, was Jimmy Rosati, an Italian fellow. And he would talk over the back fence to people in Pullman and say, don't do what I did. I screwed up my building. <laughs> Come on, follow the guidelines these the Beeman Committee has put together. And so there was a real grassroots support and understanding. And again, there were dozens of other people that were instrumental. And the city, thanks to Eric Yondorf, then became a partner in trying to save Pullman. One last little war story. As chairman of the committee, I was at my little Pullman house one night, and I received a phone call from the uh, commissioner uh, in the city of Chicago, Elizabeth McLean. I think it was public work she was the commissioner of. And she said, we have a grant program that is ending. We have $80,000 left over. Can you use that in Pullman? And in fact, we use that to help restore a major park called the Arcade Park right in the center of the community and re-landscape the streets in Pullman. So again, there were partnerships and support, the newspapers, the magazines, and we got the National Trust involved, again, thanks partially to uh, Florence Loudon Miller, who was on the board of the National Trust, but we had articles published in the National Trust magazine, we got technical support from them, and, and so it was a, a grassroots activity that reached out to every possible support group in order to, number one, preserve the architecture, number two, help to revitalize it as a viable community. And Pete, hearing all this, Pullman's amazing, and I've had the fortune of being there and visiting myself. Nationwide, I'm sure there are a lot of neighborhoods and communities that are facing the kind of struggles Pullman has. As a planner um, and an advocate for historic preservation, why is it important that we save these types of communities? Well, first of all, I, I think uh, most people in planning understand that the only constant in life is change. There are no permanent and there are no perfect plans or solutions. You're constantly dealing with changing situations and relationships. In an old neighborhood, historic or not, there are threats to its future. Uh, the wearing out of buildings, a lack of maintenance, excessive traffic, crime, drugs, gangs, whatever. And so there has to be a constant attention paid by people in the community to make it viable. So it's a pleasant place, a safe place, a healthy place, a convenient place, a nourishing place to live. So if you care about people, and communities, and I believe all uh, urban planners do, then that's the first reason. Find ways to use the resources at hand and the principles upon which to maintain and, and, and to improve your own neighborhood, every block by block. Then 
The second, you know, why care about historic architecture? Um, there is a saying that the National Trust attributes to Winston Churchill, we shape our buildings and our buildings shape us. There is a beautiful environment that shows order and discipline and craftsmanship that also reflects the history of an era and history of a people, then by maintaining that physical presence, you have a way to learn about the experiences and the values and the lessons that people have learned about in the past. And hopefully everybody can do better. Uh, so to me, there is, there is a public value. This is recognized by the United States Supreme Court in numerous court decisions. It's recognized by the amount of effort at the federal, state, and local level to preserve cultural and historic artifacts. And by almost any educated person to simply understand that we can learn from, we can appreciate, we can enjoy buildings that, that, that reflect history, and especially those that reflect historical architecture. And so, both from a community standpoint and from a physical environment that historical cultural learning experience standpoint, those are reasons why I think everybody should care about both aspects, maintaining and improving neighborhoods, and secondly, preserving and interpreting historic resources. Thanks so much, Pete. We appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today about something you're obviously very passionate about. We'll have more information on APA's webpage if you want to review more information about Pullman at planning.org. Thanks again, Pete. We appreciate you talking with us today. It's been my pleasure, and I hope everyone has a chance to visit Pullman.